And they started to experience what he called, what Adlerians called Gemeinschaftsgefühl, which is my oneness with other people. It's a German word, it's probably 13 letters, and they smash a bunch of syllables together. But really what it means is this feeling of fellowship with one another that you might experience at this next conference that we often experience when we're when things are rolling for us and that's the that is the goal of cooperation is how can i feel unified rather than feeling better than or less than or any of that sort of thing. All right. Well, welcome listeners of the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast. I am your co-host with Lee Nasi here, Ben Lay. We are joined by Kevin O'Connor, who has a long alphabet of acronyms, <laughs> actor as name. He is going to be an upcoming keynote speaker at our Executive Leadership Conference. We are so excited to have him in the, uh, in the podcast today. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Absolutely. Where are you uh, calling in from? I am at my international headquarters in Long Grove, Illinois, about 35 miles northwest of Chicago, where I have been for a little over a year. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Not too far from me. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Sure. Great. Right. We'll have to get lunch after this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Just a few hours drive. I'm, I'm supposed to ask you what high school you went to, because you that's what you do with people from St. Louis. <laughs> that will mean nothing to anyone outside of St. Louis. But yes, that is our strange tradition. Yeah. 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 In, in Chicago, you ask what Catholic parish you're from, mm -hmm. and even Jews know what Catholic parish they're from. So oh, that's wow. how we divide the city in. <laughs> Very interesting. Kevin, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, we haven't spoken in a while. I mean, we caught up to get ready for this conference, sure. but um, it had been a few years since I spoke to you before that. And and I, I really missed you. <laughs> That's very nice of you. I do too. I think it was Florida when yeah. we last saw each other in in person so yes. she does not say that to all of our guests so that i don't is you can listen to all the rest of our podcasts i probably haven't said that to anyone so i mean it and it's lovely to reconnect and i'm, I'm just thrilled that you'll be sharing with us at the conference thank you so i have some idea of your background but many of our listeners may not so if you wouldn't mind sharing some things sure. like how did you come to be who kevin o'connor is now you're a professional <laughs> speaker but you do more than that yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your professional. Well, I, I've taught at Loyola, I've taught at Loyola University for 30 years. I'm in the graduate school and um, pastoral studies and spiritual direction. So those are the people and they're going to be <clears throat> hospice chaplains, hospital chaplains, private practice, things like that. And um, so I teach three courses a semester there. I, I present mostly to physician executives and hospital executives about 90 or 100 times a year, at least I did before uh, the last year, where now we've been doing it virtually. And uh, then one of my sons is blind. And so uh, when he was born, uh, that, got, that thrust me into a movement that I never thought I would be in. Right. Uh, I'm happy I'm in it, but it's mm -hmm. kind of a club you didn't want to join. Yeah. Uh, but then when you joined it, it wasn't so bad. So that's right. You're like, yeah. wow, I could have missed all this. <laughs> and I started my professional careers, I started teaching third and fourth grade. I wanted to teach first and second, but they wouldn't let men teach first and second in those days, oh, I guess, wow. because we're 
weird. So third and fourth <laughs> was as low as I could go. And what I liked about it, when I talked to my physicians now, and they say, how did you learn how to teach doctors? I said, I used to teach third and fourth grade. Because, <laughs> right. uh, because really, that's where you transparently see how someone learns. They're, they're fairly innocent. They haven't turned on us yet. And they, uh, they, they show you how they absorb. And physicians have spent their whole life being really good students. And my job is to teach them how to be a really good human being too. And yeah. so uh, it's not a big jump, a human being who's a leader, I should add. And um, yeah. so that's when they start making connections, the intimate moments they have with a patient behind closed doors, one-on-one, mm -hmm. uh, -on -one, they can use the exact same skills when they're leading a, a, a team, but they have to come to awareness. And I think that's maybe true for me too, in that from third and fourth grade, I taught junior high, um, you know, I just kind of fell into it. And then I started doing some speaking because they asked me to do a workshop for teachers who were coming together. All the Catholic teachers in the diocese were coming together for their in-service day at McCormick Place. <clears throat> they said, can you do a workshop on uh, uh, behavior management in the classroom? I said, sure. I said, how many people will show up? They said, 25. I said, I can do that. This was back in the days when we had overhead transparencies. Oh, wow. Uh, I remember I those. all my transparencies. <laughs> he doesn't, but, uh, Meg doesn't, but I do. <laughs> I wrote out my speech. Uh, the day before, they called me and said, we've had a change in the registration. I said, yeah. They said, we thought 25 are coming. 2,500 signed up for yours. You're going to be in your Airy wow. Crown Theater. That's exactly what I said. What? So uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, I thought, if I memorize my talk and I forget one sentence, I'm screwed. So uh, instead I started thinking I'll talk in segments and that's what I've done ever since. And uh -huh. so <clears throat> that, that can be helpful for us to start thinking that way, especially when we're presenting to other people is it's sort of like the old stereo component set where you had a speaker mm -hmm. made by one person, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of how I think about, it. so I always think about presenting as being an educator, not really as being a- yeah. That, that's great yeah and you're a fabulous storyteller you have mastered that that art as well I remember um several of your stories that I, um, I'll, I'll remember all my lives so all, all my life so the one about the tattoos and and how yeah. you previously <clears throat> judge people with tattoos because I, I happen to fall into that category too and never thought about it the same way after you shared the story of of this young woman and her sleeve yeah. Well, apparently what happens is um, when you tell a story, the listener is telling a simultaneous and separate story that relates mm -hmm. to your story. So if you tell a story about tattoos or about horses or, you know, schools for the blind, the other person is saying, I, I know ours. I've got a tattoo. I, mm -hmm. I, I've been at school for the blind. And then apparently oxytocin and cortisol are uh, things inside of us and those get activated and that makes us pay attention and provides empathy. But there's very little empathy for anybody that gives us five uh, PowerPoint slides or yeah, five right. bullet points. We don't remember that as much. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting to be thinking that way. We also think that way about people. So we think about, yeah, this is Lee, she does this. And do you know what she does here? So mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, they, we start making connection with not just what you do, but who you are. And right. uh, that's so really 
that really connects people. Yeah. 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 And, and I remember a lesson you taught me. I, I learned a new way to peel a banana because of you. <laughs> <laughs> we have I to hope watch all our... of these are going to be covered at the executive leadership <laughs> conference. That's uh, Made a big impression. Tattoos and bananas. Man, we're going to be walking away with some skills. You always want to go to the other end of the banana, just like the primates do, because it's easier yeah. and you don't look like, you know, you're, you're strange. You can go to your cousins who are in the jungle who have learned how to peel a banana many, many eons before us. So that you didn't know that, Ben. I <laughs> yeah. certainly did not. I'm gonna my banana game is gonna be very different. You know, it's you know it's funny we're talking about, about blindness and visual impairment and stuff. Uh, one of the lessons I learned was hanging out with uh Carl Gusto Gusto who is yeah used to be yeah at at um, in in New York <clears throat> and Carl was blind we thought but because he was such an extrovert, he knew he could distinguish the waitresses uh, and the waiters when we were out to dinner. He was a big party guy. And, but whenever he would introduce someone, he would say their name, what they did, and then he would tell a story about them. Yeah, or he would tell what he appreciated about them. And, and I found that to be so connective. Absolutely. And those were the days when some of the different agencies for the blind would fight with each other the dogs would fight with each those other. those were the days <laughs> <laughs> sorry just kidding we're way past each, that now but each one of us could do that you know each one of us right. can know someone know what they do but then here's what i really know about them and yeah. i think that's very so very carl confusing. carl is a people person and and for our <laughs> listeners who may not know carl uh, was is the former uh, CEO, president and CEO of AFB. Right, that's right. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he, he is, <laughs> he's not going. He to, is, he uh, is. Quite a personality, yeah. Yes, but yeah. I think even people who, uh, and I have some students that are introverts and mm -hmm. I say, all you have to do is know the person's name, what they do, and then say something you appreciate about them. Something you did with them, a story about them, and that brings them to life and it also connects you uh, to them. That's all you have to do. And I think that's maybe the task before us with our conference is mm -hmm. how do we um, how do we one on one and in large groups keep the goal in mind that we're here to serve other people. And despite right. any com commonalities or differences where we are all all human beings and we have to kind of help each other be useful mm -hmm. so absolutely that's wonderful so well said um kevin do you mind sharing just a little bit more about your journey with your son's visual impairment sure sure yeah corb was born with uh labors congenital amaurosis but we didn't know that till about four months in mm -hmm. and uh we wondered why he had nystagmus the movement of the eye and then that they said that's the kind of the kicker that mm -hmm. sends you then to the pediatric uh, doctor. Um, and uh, so those early years, we had no experience with blindness in our family whatsoever. Apparently we had two recessive genes that came together and yeah. did not give the recipe <laughs> <laughs> right. that was supposed to be there. But we found a community of teachers um, at the special ed district who descended upon us and at Lighthouse, who descended mm -hmm. upon our home and just started- The Chicago teaching. Lighthouse? Yeah, the Chicago mm -hmm. Life. And they started teaching us and working with us. And uh, all of a sudden we were like, oh my gosh. And then we met some other families that had similar issues. Some were much worse 
than uh, ours, some that were better than ours. And we started to discover this, uh, this world. And um, so uh, that thrust me into it. I started then getting involved in parent education uh, with that and with working with some of the schools for the blind as well. And again, doing what I did at McCormick Place uh, with mm -hmm. the regular Catholic teachers, I started doing with teachers uh, for the blind and, um, and some of the teachers for the deaf as well. Some of those schools are combined. Right. So it was very, um, and, and, it, and as I toured around the United States, I noticed that not all the kids in the schools for the blind were only blind. They were multi yeah, lots of and, issues. Yeah, and then I realized the challenges that were before parents and what it did to marriages and uh, oh, you know, yeah. what, what it did to the kid. I mean, it's really a big deal. So um, so I've been Absolutely. involved in How that. How old is your son? He's now 30, let's see, it was 1988. So is that uh -huh. 33, something like that? So he'll, get, he'll be mad at me now because I don't know exactly, but. I, uh, I have four before. children and I can never remember either. <laughs> I just remember my eldest who yeah. is also blind and has other disabilities. And yeah. I share much of your experience. He's 40. Yeah. So that's easy for me. To oh, write. okay. But okay. the rest of them, I have to uh, do a little math and yeah. Yeah. Corb went to Montessori school when he was little and then uh, wound up in a real school after mm -hmm. that. And, but it was an experimental school. It was year round. It was combining third, fourth and fifth grade together with the same teacher for three wow. years. Wow which he loved. And then he went to a junior high and then a high school that had maybe 4,000 kids in it. And um, then he went to the George Washington University. And uh, that's DC. so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He for, did great. for any person, not, not because yeah. he's visually impaired, but you should yeah. be very proud. I know you are. Well, what was fun was he was leading um, uh, tours of parents and kids at George Washington University in DC. And you can't do that with a dog because you have to walk backward while you're talking to the oh right and guide dogs don't know how to do that so so he used his cane behind him to wow see if he was going to bump into anything while he's talking he said one time you know they bring all the parents together in the auditorium and they start parceling them out to different students who are going to be their mm -hmm. guides and one of them they said and so this group will go with Corb and he has his cane or he had his dog I forget and he overheard one of the dads say oh we got the blind guy oh, and you know, very sensitive, love, loving. And uh, Corb went up to him and said, sir, um, yes, I am blind. Um, and after the first five minutes of the tour, if you think it's not useful for you, you can find another tour. Wow, uh, and good I'll, for him. I'll, he said, no problem, we'll get you, we'll get you a sighted guide. And um, after five minutes, the guy said, I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. But then there's also, you know, the tragic moments of people that don't understand yeah. the not so funny times, the challenges that continue today with TSA agents who don't know what to do with the cane, oh, yeah. uh, with people that want to touch you um, mm -hmm. by, you know, it's sort of like the old Boy Scout helping the old woman across the street who doesn't want to cross the street, you know. And, oh, yeah. And, and, so, yeah. and so then, then how do you assert without sounding aggressive? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think those challenges continue and probably will continue yep. till the time of memorial. So I think equipping ourselves, whether, whether we're physically blind or we're just kind of like many of us spiritually blind, yes, um, yeah. equipping ourselves with the skills to interact with people. So the lasting memory is one that's useful and not one that's 
um, you know, I ran into this aggressive person. Right. Today, yeah. Sort of thing. So it's it and and probably we need to do that with our agencies as well. How yeah. how do we how do we really focus on the the end goal rather than our our personal or our organizational goal only? That's wonderful, Kevin. So you've you've touched on a, a few points that I think we'll hear more about in your presentation. But any other teaser you'd like to leave us with? Well, you know the the thing that I think that's really uh, wonderful is that we're coming together. Mm -hmm. But then we're going to be apart after yes, we, we come are. together. And then you know next time we come together, we'll come together again, and then we'll be apart. And so there's this kind of odd relationship that we have with one another of coming in a community and then also we have to form our our own community and so right. um you know part of my goal is the challenge of what uh, dr rudolf dreikers used to call the challenge of cooperation mm -hmm. what what are the skills that are required in cooperation cooperation is not just being a nice person and hoping that you get a nice person at, at the other end but there are things i can actually do uh, to elicit cooperation. Dreikers was famous for saying the kids, he said, you can never require cooperation. You can only win cooperation. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and when you win it, it's not a tug of war. You know, when you win it, then, then you really get, get the good stuff. And so um, I don't know if we have time for one more story, but. Sure we do. Well, I was in graduate school. Well, no, I wasn't. Grad I was out of graduate school and uh, I was in the early 70s and we were in Washington, D.C. And I'm, I study the psychology of Alfred Adler. And mm -hmm. uh, so all these Adlerians are together. And one of the famous psychiatrists from the VA hospital, Nick Ioannidis, gets up in front of 200 of us who are psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, students, educators. And he said, I'm having a party at my house tonight in Alexandria, Virginia. I want all of you to come. And uh, so wow. uh, we looked at each other and said, he just invited 200 people <laughs> to his home. I hope he told his wife, right? So we go piling into taxi cabs and go to Nick's house. This is back when psychiatrists made money. He had a home that looked like Mount Vernon. Oh my God, it was oh, just- Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And we go piling in and there was a party going on already. And he had a Greek dancing instructor in the living room teaching people how to do Greek dancing. A Greek oh chef in the kitchen making umpa cheese. You know how they do in restaurants? Yeah, oh, yeah. Five people are in the library checking out the books. I mean, there's something in every room in the house. We had a blast. All of us were psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors. Halfway through the party, word leaked out to us that the other people at the party were Nick's patients from the psychiatric ward at the VA hospital. And I am standing at the punch bowl. I'm not proud of this. I'm standing at the punch bowl. I look at the person next to me and I said, are you one of them or are you oh, one geez. of us? Right? Very appropriate, very appropriate. I realized I couldn't tell the difference. And so that's exactly what Nick wanted. He said, yeah. it's crazy to live in a psychiatric unit. He said, I invite people to my home. I want them to understand there are two things they have absolute control over. Their self-esteem and how they interact with other people. Everything else is a crapshoot, right? Mm -hmm. Life is going to throw a lot of stuff. But if you have self-esteem and you're you know that I can choose how I'm going to interact with you. That's all the power that you need. And so every month he had a party for his patients. I think he was reimbursed insurance-wise, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but I thought, what a genius. I mean, oh, that's anyway, great. People would show up and say, Liz, Mary, meet each other, have a wonderful time. Then he'd walk yeah. away 
and uh, all these, uh, and then they had to figure out, are we going Greek dancing? Are we going to eat some cheese or go to the library? Sure. And they started to experience what he called, what Adlerians called Gemeinschaftsgefühl, which is my oneness with other people. It's a German word that's probably 13 letters and they smash a bunch of syllables together. But really what it means is this feeling of fellowship with one another that you might experience at this next conference that we often experience when we're, when things are rolling for us. And that's the, that is the goal of cooperation is how can I feel Absolutely. unified rather than feeling better than or less than or any of that sort of stuff. Oh, that's, that's uh, so wonderful. A great, great thought to leave us with. And, and in fact, as I'm thinking, we're Vision Serve Alliance is just forming um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility committee. And, uh, and our goal of our work is belongingness. Oh, wow. Okay. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You should have just called it Gemeinschaftske Fuel and everybody would yeah. know what <laughs> I'm still looking for a name for of the committee, but. <laughs> <laughs> that might not I'll work. I don't know. <laughs> Well, Kevin, it's been terrific talking with you. Can't wait to hear Thank your you. presentation at our conference and can't wait to see you again in person one day. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, again, I also want to thank you. Uh, and uh, for our listeners, uh, please join us for his keynote, Apart Together and Then Apart Again, The Challenge of Cooperation. That's going to be on uh, Wednesday of the conference. That's in two weeks from now when we're recording. It's probably about nice. one week from when you're hearing this uh, but that will be April 28th. Uh, so join Kevin for his keynote there. If you're not registered, you can go to vsaelc.com. Uh, but again, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. You know, if this uh, podcast gig doesn't work out for you, Ben, you might think about FM radio. This is Ben. You're on Love FM, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you, you could be the new Delilah, you know. Couldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's got a great voice. He know? does. Yeah. Well, again, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, again, join us at the Executive Leadership Conference the 27th through the 29th of April this month. You can register at VSAELC.com. But until next time, remember to be mission-driven, work together, and make a real impact. This is the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast.